What am I still doing this for? It's got to be one or the other. I can't have it both ways. I can't put myself on the line as long as there's someone waiting for me to come home. Miss Beaumont would be glad to know you feel that way, Master Bruce. She's holding on line one, sir. Master Bruce? Alfred, I can't. Not now. What shall I say, sir? I don't know. I just don't know! It doesn't mean I don't care anymore. I don't want to let you down, honest, but... But it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore. You can understand that, can't you? Look, I can give money to the city. They can hire more cops. Let someone else take the risk. But it's different now. Please. I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise. But I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Hey everybody, this is Alex. This is episode 108. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. And I am back to hosting uh, Alex, the podcast. After all this time. It's great to hear your voice bring it out again. And you did it smoothly, I could say confidently. Because I know I, last time I goofed it up and we know we have our issues with these intros. So the fact that you haven't done it in a while and you did it so smooth, hats off to you. Yeah, it's, it's like we can... We can get everything else, but we can't. We we just can't get this intro right. Yeah, <laughs> it's the most difficult part of the show, really. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, before we get into anything, we have today, um, we have to say that uh, you know the the TBU needs your help because I guess a lot of, a lot more people are downloading these podcasts. There's a lot more podcasts, so a lot of people are downloading it so if you want to help support the the tvu servers you can just go over to the batmanuniverse.net and you can donate there i think i think it's like a five dollar uh, donation or ten dollar donation mm-hmm. yeah and a fifteen dollar donation yeah yeah just on the side there's on the right hand side on the right hand side you'll see you know the tvu server cost drive it'll give you the options it can even give a custom amount too so any help to support the Batman universe and all the great podcasts such as ours, <laughs> that'd be much yeah. appreciated because it's, it's a, in a good way because a lot more people are downloading shows and all the other podcasts on the sites. And unfortunately, doing podcasts and server costs aren't free. So <laughs> any support would be greatly appreciated because Dane, where else is, what other podcasts or listeners going to get minute by minute commentaries of the dark Knight? right? <laughs> <I mean, come laughs> <on. laughs> that is true. That is true. We're the only, we're alone in this, Tim. And I, think it's, I think it's for a very good reason that we're alone because, uh, unfortunately, we're only on the 58th minute. Uh, we're going from 58 to 59. We're so close to an hour, though. So. Yeah, I mean, we still got an hour and 45 minutes left. That's 105 minutes. <laughs> Don't look at it that way because that is going to seem like it's never going to get end but <laughs> we're making a big stride so it's 105 more episodes bi-weekly i'm not sure how many episodes we do a year but it's gonna be at least five years i'd say <laughs> give or take <laughs> yeah give or take so just get just get your media get get your uh your uh betamax tape 
Get your projector, get your VHS tape, get your laser disc, your HD, DVD. Um, now, is there any format that Star Wars didn't come out in that that I've mentioned? No, I, I think it hit all of them. Well, did oh. it beta? I'm not sure if it did beta or not. Oh, yeah, yeah beta. But I think all the other ones, yeah, it's on there. But, well, DVD took the longest, man. Yeah. <laughs> Much too long. <laughs> By the Blue time... it took long, too. Yeah, but DVD was the worst. It was almost like a good... Geez, almost 10 years, I would say, before like it came on there. And right when the original trilogy came out on DVD in 2004... And of course, Avengers in 2005, Blu-ray was just about getting started, like a year or two after. So yeah. <laughs> it was becoming almost uh, a dead media format right as Star Wars was coming out. It had a few good years, but like right at the end of DVDs, you know, more. It's well, it's lifespan still going on now because not everyone has Blu-ray players, but the majority is the HD stuff. So Star Wars had come out at a later time than I think it should have for DVD. Do you think it's the end of um, Blu-ray? I hope not. I mean, I know the 4K stuff's starting to come out now. I just hope we have a yeah. few more good years left because <laughs> I kind of feel like we're just getting the collection settled in for all these movies on Blu-ray and then the, a new format's going to come out. <laughs> it's like I have to start all over when I felt like I just we're just getting the collections of our Blu-ray movies completed and stuff. So I hope not. I hope we got a few more years left before we everything's only coming out you know, on like 4K or whatever the next <laughs> <laughs> format's going to be. Right. Right, so so I guess I should also say Blu-ray then. Not yet. Uh, included on that list. Not yet. <laughs> I don't want to say that yet. Um, but but just queue up your media to the 58th minute, and um, I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, three, two, one, hit play. Start off on sad Bruce Wayne face. You know, everyone's making jokes about that sad Ben Affleck video. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Bruce Wayne kind of almost has the same face as Affleck did in that interview right here. Well, he's alone now because Alfred's leaving. <laughs> in the first of many or a few Alfred crying scenes. But it is a great moment, though, I have to say, of the movie. I mean, this is the part that surprised me after this where I, we didn't see Alfred for so long after this until the very end, really. And I was surprised that this is the last we were going to see him. Kind of kept expecting him to come up at some point later on in the movie. And I don't know if we're going to make it through this scene. We got a few seconds left. <laughs> but Alfred's still going on, <laughs> telling him about Rachel's letter. And we're not. <laughs> 59 is where it ends. With Alfred and his eyes about shut, sh- still talking. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I had my mic on mute. <laughs> Muting during the commentary. <laughs> no, well, what I was saying to myself, to this empty room, was, <laughs> uh, I wonder what our next fight scene is, is going to be. I wonder, it, I mean, is it going to be the, the Bane fight? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much all that's coming next. Because yeah. pretty soon, Bruce Wayne loses everything <laughs> for Wayne Industries. He gets locked out of his house. Talia comes there, and then he meets with Catwoman. So, yeah, oh, yeah. that should be it. Yeah, well, um, speaking of Catwoman, let's talk about our featured topic, Tim. Let's do it. But I'm kind of curious of how you're going to bring Catwoman into this. I don't know how she applies. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I was just trying to look for any transition. <laughs> you just said Catwoman. Uh, it's up to you now, Dave, to fit Catwoman into this discussion somehow. <laughs> okay, well, I think Catwoman, if Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo uh, told, told a story about her, would have been good. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. So, speaking of Catwoman and Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, <laughs> our future topic is going to be a tribute to their, I think, legendary run on Batman. Because just last week, issue 51 came out, and that is officially their final issue together on Batman. So, it's the end of an era, and I think we have to pay tribute to it because it was such a great run for start to finish i would say sure not every issue and every arc was great but for the most part i think it's going to be remembered as one of the finest runs ever on batman and kind of want to give a little bit to talk about anyway what it means to me as a batman what this arc has meant reading it these past five years because what i think it's so special not just because there's great stories in there and that's the most important thing of why it's good but for me personally i just this is really the first legendary run that i could say i was a part of from start to finish because you know there's been legendary runs for batman in the past but of course i wasn't alive for some of them (laughs) and when i first got into uh, comics of course i said this before with nightfall i didn't like i didn't go to the comic shop and got the first part of nightfall and was there from the beginning i got it later on i had to go back and then for some of the other big comic arcs that came out in the mid-2000s like hush and some of grant morris and stuff I didn't get those in the beginning either because that's when I was first starting to get back into comics. And But for this one, this is the one I can truly say I was there from issue one up until issue 51 along the whole way. And I just think it's really cool to finally be a part of that, to be able to say I was there from the beginning for Scott Snyder's run. I read every single issue, didn't have to you know wait for trades to catch up and read later, go back and find older issues to see what happened in a previous story arc, no, I was there from the beginning. And I just love having that feeling because I don't, never had that before as a Batman fan for a run that's going to be remembered so fondly as I think Scott Snyder's and Greg Capullo's run is going to be years down the line. I think that's pretty cool. And that's kind of why I think it's, or I view it as special because as a Batman fan, I never had that feeling before in the comic world. And now to finally have that, I think it's really cool. So that's what I've, going to remember for it too just being part of this these stories right when they were there and you know not to worry about getting spoiled on it or you know years down the line where like reading what what is the best batman comics the last few years and then reading synopsis of like court of owls or death of the family and go oh those sound pretty cool let me go check those out i mean it's cool it's great when people find out about that and they go back to read the stories but the fact that i was getting those stories just you know, right as they were coming out, not knowing what to expect as I picked up the issue was a great feeling. So I'm just really glad to be a part of that. I don't know if you've had the same feelings, Dane, as that, or if this kind of was the same thing for you where you're part of this historic comic run for the first time. But I don't know, what was your take on their run for you just as a Batman fan? Yeah, I'm right there with you. And uh, I was trying to think, you know, after you sent over the show notes, uh, when was the last time we had a run like this? Like a, a really solid run mm-hmm. by two creators. I would say, I think, I know Grant Morrison's run was looked on pretty fondly, but at the same time, yeah. that w- didn't, I don't think it was universally loved because I know there's our people who, people, comic fans out there who aren't the biggest fans of Grant Morrison. So I don't think it was universally loved as 
Scott Snyder's run is. And I know there are some people who aren't big fans of Scott Snyder's run either because you can't please everybody. But for the most <laughs> part, I think more than Morrison, Scott Snyder's is going to be remembered as something that's just going to be a classic years later. Yeah, and I, I agree with you in the sense that you said, or, or where you say, you know, that this is one of those one time that that one time you can say that you're there at the beginning and you saw it conclude yeah. go, going back to when Scott Snyder was first on detective comics when he first got introduced to the to us to the Batman universe you know mm-hmm. what's cool because yeah when you talk about his run on detective comics for it it was like one of those things at least for me anyway like I never knew who Scott Snyder was I just picked up the, that issue of Detective Comics, and man, this is a really good issue that we haven't had in a long time for Detective, because you know, I think that was like Tony Daniel was on it for a bit, and then we had the David Hines stuff. I'm pretty sure that was Detective. <laughs> yeah, that was. Okay, so yeah, so when we got that, like a breath of fresh air, I'm like, oh man, like this Scott Snyder guy, he, did, he wrote a good issue, hope it continues on, and then, you know, five, six years later, here we are, so yeah. we were like there from the beginning when it, it was someone who didn't have hype surrounding him at least for me and probably you too maybe there are some people who read his other stuff and like were excited that he's on batman but yeah. for me i never heard of him and to, there to just kind of be surprised and see how good it was and see how long it lasted it is really cool yeah and it's the same thing with uh capullo i mean he he was an artist that yeah i'd heard about but i've I, i'd never really seen his stuff i'd seen some of his spawn stuff and i was like oh he's pretty good but you know, you you see his Batman stuff, and it's like, it's it's incredible. Yep. Yeah, and that was one of those things too, where we got the new Fifty Two announcement, and we know that Scott Snyder was going to be on Batman, and Greg Capullo was going to be the artist on it. And I remember that getting hyped too. I was, even though I was kind of in the same boat as you as far as Greg Capullo, where I knew of him, but wasn't too familiar with all his stuff, just like from some of the Spawn stuff he did. But um, he's someone who had hype. But I remember on the old Gotham Knights Online podcast, that was something uh, Bob Tilly was really hyped about, that Greg Capullo's art. And that kind of fed into the hype for us to see, you know, how this run on Batman could be something legendary on both the story and artwork front. And, yep, they definitely delivered. I mean, they kicked it off with a bang (laughs) with the new 52 with the Court of Owl stuff. I mean, just going back and thinking about how hard is that to... You have all this hype surrounding the new 52, and some of it could be controversial, you know, with the whole renumbering going back to number one and just the reboot of a universe. But to do that and then to create this whole new villain for your first story and this new mythology that you're going to bring into the Batman mythos and to do that successfully and to make the Court of Owls now one of the more popular rogues galleries or rogues villains in Batman's rogues gallery that people are going to be using from years to come is just, I mean, it's like catching lightning in a bottle sort of thing <laughs> where you're able to pull that off right out, right out of the gate on your first right. story arc for this new title. It's so yeah, and it's, it's one of those things that I have to admit, like when it was first announced, I didn't think it was going to work out that well. Um, you know, they're starting it off with this new threat, this new villain. And it's, I guess I have to give him credit for a creating a you know a a great villain and a great story and a great massive story because this went across all of the Batman titles at the time. Yeah. And B not pulling the Joker card for that first story, you know. Yep. So, which I know they easily could have done, but at the same time yeah. too, how would you top a story like the Court of Owls with a newly created villain that 
captivated readers you do it with the Joker. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And you, and you pull that off, too, with <laughs> a great story in Death of the Family. So. <laughs> yeah, like, the way, I mean, when you look back at his runs, they're just such big story arcs that, you know, just when you hear the synopsis of them, you, your expectations for them would go be really high because, yeah, the New 52 first story arc, new villain, bringing the Joker back, who's been absent for a while in a big way. Then after that, you're going to retell Batman's origin with Zero Year. <laughs> I mean, that might have been probably more controversial than starting off with, you know, with the Court of Owls and rebooting the whole DC universe because this is Batman's origin is big, <laughs> especially for fans, you know, diehard fans like us who were just so used to the stories we've had before with Year One and other uh, kind of origin tales we've gotten over the years and. Also, not to mention, too, that DC has said a, a lot that those stories that we've got in the past still count and we're not going to do too much to contradict them. But then, you know, we talked about before, LA went back on a lot of stuff. But Scott Snyder told, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's better than year one for me anyway, but he told a story where I can't, that I can't see anyone who's reading that for the first time or just even people who did read year one and like this better. I mean, I don't think you can't be too shocked if someone says that is there one of their favorite origin stories for Batman? Cause it is a good origin story. He hit the right beats. He told good arcs, you know, with Joker and the red hood, that first part of it was good. Bringing the Riddler into it to be one of Batman's first big villains that he faced. It was just, he just did a great job of doing something new, but yet keeping the core bits of Batman's origin that, you know, turned him into the character that we know and love. So three for three, right out of the gate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that front. Um, but then again, you Zero Year was a big long arc, just like Court of Owls was, and I kind of like how we, over the course of his run, pace it. He had a big one, then you had a smaller run, but still a great story. Go big again, then you go a little small, then you go big again <laughs> to finish it off. It, I think it worked out nicely. Maybe, especially the last arc was super heavy. Maybe went on a little too long, but I just I think it kind of worked well in the end when you look back at his running big arcs mixed with some smaller arcs and the smaller arcs are ones with the joker <laughs> but those end up being some of the best ones so yeah just looking back on i thought it was kind of the pacing of the stories that he told worked out really good too yeah and going back to zero years zero year was, a, was yet another example of you know how i i sort of doubted scott snyder and Throughout the, the that entire run, I was like, uh, I mean, I, I had some problems with it, but I like overall in the end, he makes it pay off, and mm. I, f- I I feel stupid <laughs> for doubting him, you know. <laughs> yeah, at, at this point now, like even when we got to super heavy, and Gordon being Batman, that was something I know we weren't you know too optimistic about, and like I don't know about this. At the same time. Snyder's proved himself to tell great stories for stuff we're not too sure about before, so we got to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one, too. And while it's definitely not my favorite, it wasn't a disaster either. There was definitely some cool stuff in there, especially on the Bruce Wayne front. So, yeah, he definitely earned that. And anything going forward now, especially what he's going to do on uh, All Star Batman, any crazy stuff that he has planned or teased, I mean, it might make you think a little bit, but. For me, it's going to be, okay, yeah, just bring it on and we'll see how it is once it's all over because you've just done some great stuff over the course of his Batman run over these past six years. So, yeah, well, we talked a little bit about those arcs, but which ones are our favorites? So I wanted to rank them. How would you rank um, 
the five big arcs, Court of Owls, Death of the Family, Zero Year, Endgame, and Super Heavy. How would you rank them one through five? Um, definitely Court of Owls is number one. Okay. Number two, I'd say Zero Year. Number three, Death in the Family. Uh, or Death of the Family. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch uh, that. <laughs> four, uh, Endgame. Five, uh... Oh. Super heavy. Yeah, super heavy. Sorry. Did you ever finish that? Did you read the last one? No, okay. I never okay. finished. Yeah. <laughs> but I could see why it's last on your yeah. <laughs> ranking. For me, mine's going to be a little different. Number one is going to be Endgame. I mean, that blew me away. I've said this before, Al. I didn't know what that story was going to be until I actually read it. And then when I found out how it was another Joker story coming back and just doing what he did with the Justice League and then later to, with Batman, it blew me away so Endgame is my number one the number two I'm going to go Court of Owls for the reasons I mentioned at the beginning and <laughs> creating a great new threat for Batman to take on and how it involved Gotham City which is awesome number three I'm going to go Death of the Family I think that was a great way to bring Joker back in this new creepy way I love the design of him with the cut off face and having it like, strapped around him I thought it was a great new creepy look to the Joker that worked so well in that story and then number four, we're going to go with Zero Year. And then number five, uh, Super Heavy. Yeah, I've said before how <laughs> it's not horrible, but not Snyder's best. And when you compare it to all the ones that came before it. So rankings, uh, it's cool that they're not exactly the same. And it just goes to show like the different stories that he had in that run. But yet, any one of them can be your favorite. And you really wouldn't have a wrong number one so just again a testament to the stories he's created in his six-year run on the batman title but we can't rank our favorite arcs without ranking our favorite issue of his run and this one's going to be more hard <laughs> it took me a while when i was able to decide on one that over look actually opened my you know, cabinet that had all my comics going through them flipping through them <laughs> kind of seeing which one had the biggest impression on me so I have my favorite issue, but Dane, I'll let you go first. Which one? If you can pick one, what was your favorite overall issue from their um, 51 issue run? Hmm. You know, you you go first. Okay. <laughs> you need more yeah. time to think. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's going to come down to uh, the first part of Endgame. And this is a big reason why that story arc is my favorite. I mean, I picked up the issue expecting the cover. You know, it's Batman fighting the Justice League. Okay, this is going to be a Batman versus Justice League fight. Should be cool and fun. Curious why they're fighting, but uh, this could be a good entertaining issue. And I kept reading it, seeing just Batman taking on the Justice League with the different you know ways and weapons he had to bring him down was just awesome. And then it all built up to that fight with Superman, which was great. But uh, I can't tell. You, I still like get chills when i think about that excitement i had when i read it where batman was be- where superman was beating down on batman then you see the smile start coming on his face and slowly you start to realize like i remember reading oh man this is going where i think it's going is it is he controlled by the joker and then that final page where you just you know full-on joker grin with the light toned skin where you just know it's the joker and man i just remember being so blown away it <laughs> is the shock value of that and one of those moments where, like I said at the beginning, and part of the great reasons of being with this run from the beginning, that you're not spoiled on certain things if you stay away from <laughs> most descriptions of or interviews where we talk about upcoming arcs, which I did for this one. I'm so glad I did because 
I wouldn't trade anything for that surprise I got <laughs> when I read that issue of Joker being behind these Justice League attacks uh, for Batman, and then seeing where the story developed from that, I couldn't couldn't have done any better in my opinion. So that is- issue still ranks as my top one from Scott Snyder's run, and it was just so good on an action entertaining point, and then the reveal that the Joker was behind it. It blew me away, and I just—I'll always remember that shock I had as I was reading that issue. So, that one had the biggest impact, and will probably always be my favorite from his uh, run on Batman for the New Fifty Two. Uh, for me, it's probably going to be uh, Death of the Family, the um, the final issue of that. Just, I mean, it it ends typically like how you would expect it to end: Joker falling into a river <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> But uh, that that final scene where Bruce is at the the, the bat computer uh-huh. and he's looking up that that chemical element and it's H A it's Ha yeah <laughs> I just thought that was one of the funniest things I mean after everything you know in that story it was it was just they they ended on a joke and I just thought that that was the perfect ending for that for that storyline. It was like a joke, but yet a creepy factor to it too. Like, yeah, no, yeah, it was like still out factor. there. And then you yeah. had that bug or that fly going across the screen too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It, it made me laugh. It was the perfect, perfect ending to again what I thought wasn't going to be a good story. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably my favorite, uh, my favorite issue. Good choice. And I got to give an honorable mention too to. Um, I believe it was issue number six, part of the Court of Owls, where Batman's was captured and under you know the that hallucination of all the the poison that was the Court of Owls were giving to him, and he was like flipping out. But the issue after that, where Batman just goes on a berserker rage and just takes out the Court of Owls, that was like one of the most awesome Batman moments I remember from Scott Snyder's run too. That one left an impact on me. So that was my favorite issue from the Court of Owls storyline. So I wanted to give that one an honorable mention. And I guess I also wanted to do, can't leave out Greg Capullo's work. So his, he did a lot of great covers for the run on Batman too. So which one would you say is your favorite cover? And I already have mine. So if you need more time to think, I'll give mine <laughs> first too. So this one's actually going to be uh, one of the variants where it was for the first part of Death of the Family. And it was the one where it was actually even the teaser image they released when they announced the story arc for it. It's where Joker is holding up the cut-up face, and he's holding it with his hands. You see the white gloves, and you see his eyes behind it, and he has that like smile and smirk on his face. There's just oh dang it, Tim, you took my. <laughs> well, I can't say too surprised because it's such an awesome, yeah. awesome piece of art. I mean, that image alone got me hyped up for this story arc, and now we're gonna be something special. There's just something really creepy, fun, like cartoonish look to Joker's smile on it that it just says Joker like a new Joker we haven't seen before and it's set up that storyline so perfectly and even though that's one of the rare times I got two of the same issues I got that variant cover just to have because the cover is just so awesome I could not not have it but at the same time since it's a special one I didn't want to read it over and over so I got just the regular issue so that can be my copy that I would read but I had to get that variant cover because it's just so good <laughs> so I'm sorry for picking the same one as you Dane but <laughs> yeah you did uh, well to be original 
And I don't think it's a um, Capullo cover, but um, it's that, I, I can't remember what story it was. I think it might have been a Harper Row story. Okay. Uh, of that, uh, that, that blue cover. Yeah, where like the electricities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick that one to be a little more interesting. I mean, uh, original. <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah. And while we're talking about colors, I got to talk about this cool like tribute <laughs> that was given to Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's run. I saw this on uh, Comic Book Resources, and an illustrator named Rick Sellis, I believe, on his Instagram feed, he did this <laughs> awesome thing where he rendered all the covers that Greg Capullo did for the Batman run done in the Bruce Timm Batman the Animated Series style. And I don't know if you had a chance to check it out, Dane. <laughs> Only I, you would bring this up, Tim. Oh, I have to. <laughs> Come on, you're bringing the best Batman worlds together. So. Yeah. But it's really cool seeing the now iconic covers that Greg Capullo did in the style of Batman the Animated Series. I <laughs> can't ask for anything more. <laughs> they look so cool. Again, the Joker ones that we're just talking about look really cool when you see you know the animated series version Joker. Uh, those Death of the Family and Endgame cover art. So definitely check it out. I got a link to it on our Facebook page, and I tweeted out a link. So definitely check that out <laughs> because you're going to be you have a big smile on your face when you're looking at it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that should do it for our tribute discussion to him. Again, just so glad to be a part of their legendary run. And I'm even looking forward to years down the line, you know, <laughs> as like the next generation of Batman comic bands uh ask for like what are some good stories to read from like long ago i mean right away we're gonna go or for me i'm gonna tell them go check out the snyder and capullo run for, for all yeah. 51 issues you're not gonna be disappointed yeah what's great is i don't i don't necessarily think anybody would would have to tell them that i think <laughs> good point th- th- these kids are gonna know that let's say court of owls is one of the best batman stories in a long in a, in in a long time, you know. Yeah, or even if they find out Court of Owls, but oh, where did they come from? Like, what was the first appearance to say, you know, Batman right. number one <laughs> from the New 52? But before we end, got a response from Mark on Twitter to give his ranking as far as what his favorite story arcs were. He says, um, he has to say, Endgame and Court of Owls was amazing as well. Best bat creative team of all time. Now, there is a discussion for later on. Are they the best of all time? <laughs> That's something we have to do more research on. Is on all the past Batman teams and stories that came over the course of you know seventy five plus years history. So they're definitely the best in a long, long time. Yes, that I think yeah. you could definitely say. But all time, there's a future topic for a, a later show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, got to give our hats off. So I was glad we were able to you know give them the kudos they deserve for their legendary run. Yeah, and. It's like I said. I I think these stories that they've done, I think they're gonna be the next generation's Nightfall mm-hmm. or uh, No Man's Land or whatever. I think these stories are gonna be what you know people are constantly gonna be talking about. And like you said, I think these these stories will be the sort of beginning of future comic stories you know yep i know we're gonna go back and read these stories just think 25 years 30 years later when the next generation of batman podcasters will say just like i bring up nightfall all the time what got me into comics <laughs> if someone says court of owl that's got snyder's <laughs> run that's gonna be awesome <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, that, that that's it for our featured topic. So thank you, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo for your Batman run. Yep, giving us plenty We're, to talk about over the course of this podcast. <laughs> We're definitely better for it. For uh, sure. But uh, speaking of better things, uh, the the Killing Joke uh, release date and the box art's been revealed. So um, the release date is going to be August second, um, but the the digital version will come out on July twenty third, two weeks earlier. And Don't get um, started on those separate release dates still bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, it's going to be jam-packed with uh, special features, and um, there's going to be making of features, and uh, new documentaries. Yep, the, stuff, the stuff you kind of expect on these yeah. Blu-ray releases. Badness but. set to music, a document documentary which chronicles the creation of the film's storyboards and original score, uh, and many shades of the Joker. The tale of the killing joke making of short that explores the distinct style of the graphic novel oh and 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 also if you pick up the blu-ray combo pack there's going to be a limited edition joker figurine you know what i haven't gotten those combo packs in a while i really just don't have room to put those little figures anymore <laughs> they just be sitting in the bin or in my closet somewhere but for this one i think it might be cool to have that Joker figure, so I might start. I might pick up the deluxe set for that one. Yep, and the uh, the cover is uh, pretty much the Killing Joke cover. I mean, uh, the graphic novel Killing Joke cover. Could you have it be any other cover than that? I mean, I <laughs> so. really, I mean, I'm so glad they went that way. Uh, they did that. Well, no, the Dark Knight Returns. They did their own cover art for that, and so I was little because I love the covers they put out for the Dark Knight Returns, especially the trade one where he's just sitting yeah. on that line and the lightning's coming back in the background yeah. i wish they would have done that but oh whatever movie's still awesome but <laughs> for this one i'm glad they stuck with the classic joker with the camera cover i mean because this well, how are you gonna beat it exactly <laughs> <laughs> when it says the killing joke it has to have that cover on there and it, also i guess we can talk about the trailer yeah i mean we had yeah. that behind the scenes look but this is the actual trailer for it and man it just looks better and better <laughs> the more i see of it i just the artwork looks cool. I mean, my favorite shot of the comic is where Joker comes out of the chemicals and his hands are above his head. He has that crazy look. Of like yeah. our first look at the Joker. And they show that in the trailer and it just looks perfect. It's being translated yeah. into animation just as you would expect it to be. It looks exactly how it does in the comic. And that looked awesome. Hearing the dialogue, the classic dialogue that starts the comic with Batman talking to Joker in the prison, saying how, you know, one of us is going to end up killing each other. And it sounds exactly how it did when I read the comic, hearing Kevin Conroy's voice say that. that <laughs> it's going to be so good. I can't wait. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still wondering what this whole pre- prelude to the killing joke is going to be with, uh, with Batgirl. Mm-hmm. H- how are they going to tie this in with uh, the killing joke? And is it, is it going to go smoothly? Um, I just have a lot of questions about it. Yeah, the one thing I'm, I don't want to say concerned, but like you, questioning of how it's going to fit, where the story for the killing joke begins so perfectly, I think, with Batman just walking into that prison cell and they have that discussion. I mean, I I would love it for the movie to start that way, but if it's 
they're saying this Batgirl story is going to be a prelude, you would think that that would be first, and we'll see that before we see you know Batman and Joker in the prison cell. So yeah. that is one thing where I agree. I'm curious to see where it's going to fit. I'm wondering if it might work better if it's you know a flashback sequence Barbara has or something um, before we see or get shot by the Joker, but. I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. But the content of that flashback, I think, should be cool. Seeing more Barbara as Batgirl. Just where it fits in the movie is the thing I'm questioning. But yeah, one minor thing to worry about amongst yeah. everything else that looks amazing. So I mean, it, it, this, uh, this animated movie is scripted by uh, Brian Azzarello. So I don't is think it? we have... Yeah. Wow. How did I miss that before? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's all the way on the bottom. Uh it's uh yeah di- directed by sam liu um and he directs from a script written by eisner award winner comic book writer brian azarillo wow man that yeah just got me more excited for it if that so was I don't, even possible yeah. wow I, I, I don't think necessarily we have anything to be worried about yeah. i mean i'm digging his wonder woman uh run right now uh i finally got onto that nice and, uh, yeah he's a great writer, so man, that's that's great. I can't believe I didn't know that, but man, that is awesome. He's writing it. I wish uh, he would have been on the documentary feature they had on the Teen Titans Blu-ray to hear him talk about it, but he wasn't on there. Hopefully, he's on some of the special features that are on the actual movie because I'd yeah. love to hear him talk about writing the movie and talking just the Killing Joke story in general. That'd be so awesome. Yeah, so I don't think we have anything to worry about with him. <laughs> Uh, but our next piece of news is that Ben Affleck is going to be an executive producer on Justice League. Now, <laughs> this is, I think, one of this news came out, a lot of people were happy and excited about it. I definitely think it's a good thing, but it just kind of shows, because there has been reports that Justice, or the Warner Brothers execs and Zack Snyder were kind of button heads a little bit on Justice League. I mean, we don't know how much of it, it's true and all that, but several sources were saying there's been, you know, little, you know, <laughs> I guess more talks than I guess they would have if Batman v Superman was a bigger success. So this is probably something that the Warner Brothers execs feel they feel they had to do to, you know, put Justice League in. I don't want to say better hands, but just more reassuring that it could be on a better course of being more well receptive than Batman v Superman was, and you know, to have Ben Affleck be more involved with the process of it as far as story-wise and all that i think is definitely a good thing and i mean the fact that ben affleck was you know he's an accomplished movie maker already but being the one thing that well one of two things batman and wonder woman that most people loved about batman versus superman to have them be involved with it more is definitely a good thing but it just shows you that you know warner brothers is not happy with the response and just the box office of batman v superman a new something had to be done without, you know, fully replacing Zack Snyder as director. So this is, I think, a great step for it. So hopefully Justice League being a better success than Batman v Superman was. If I'm being honest, I think I think they should just make uh, Ben Affleck the director of this movie. <laughs> I think WB would want that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure Zack Snyder locked himself in there. Yeah, so. I mean, I, like we talked about before, I think this is Zack Snyder's last go-around with these yeah. DC movies, and especially if Justice League does the same as Batman v Superman, then he's definitely... <laughs> oh, yeah. But even if it is a success, I think Warner Brothers just, you know, 
going to say, you know, thank you for your services and getting this universe off the ground, but we'll go, we'll take it from here with other uh, creative teams. So, but I'm sure he'll be sort of like executive producer on like Justice League Part 2 and other movies, but yeah, on the directorial front, I think this will be his last. I mean, it's not only Ben Affleck becoming an executive producer, it's also that uh, guy that was going to direct Flash leaving. And yep. I know there's a lot of people saying that the guy that was going to direct uh, Aquaman was thinking about leaving. Yeah, then he tweeted a picture like with him in front yeah. of a big like Aquaman like uh, mural or something on the wall, which like no, everything's good. <laughs> so and that's mission uh, Michelle McLaren was supposed to direct uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, you know, but I think that with getting Patty Jenkins, I mean, uh, it's a great replacement for it. But at the same time, yeah. I think what what came out from the previous, uh, well, I guess disagreements on story ideas for Wonder Woman with the previous director, you know, was something about wanting to Wonder Woman have a big tiger as like her sidekick or something like that. <laughs> so it might have been for the best that they parted ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, our next piece of news, though, is um, that there's going to be multiple villains appearing in Ben Affleck's solo Batman film, which is slated to release in what, Tim? 2020? And that's the thing. They haven't put an exact date for it. They have, I think put dates for movies but they didn't say what movies they are i think one of them is for 2018 i think a lot of people are kind of assuming that may be the batman one but i don't know i find this to be an interesting rumor because when you hear as many villains a lot of villains it kind of raises the red flag because you know that could be the downfall of certain movies so but with jeff johns and ben affleck being you know the creative forces behind this they have my confidence so I'm not going to be too worried about it just yet, but it does make me think about what storyline they could be doing. And what, see, this, the rumor comes from the site Birth Movies Death, and they said that uh, they want to tell the ultimate Batman story from their sources. And they said they're going to bring in all the big guns. They're going to have a big, sprawling Bat universe already in place. And of course, that makes sense because, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman has been around for 20 years, so those villains should still be there. But what would make them, you know, be all in this movie and you know there's been rumors before about maybe doing red hood and jason todd coming back i'm not sure if they'll do that uh, right away because part of me thinks we've seen that already a little bit with the captain america movies and winter soldier i don't know if they kind of be viewed as like from the general audience like a ripoff of that yeah. but at the same time they tease it a little bit with that robin costume so they could go that route but when i hear this about all the villains the first thing i thought of was hush like you know that's a fan favorite story arc, and a lot of people would want to see that adapted. It is a little bit similar to the Red Hood story, not quite, but you know, someone from Bruce's past coming back, causing trouble for him. So they could work around that way, or maybe they're going to turn the Hush story into incorporate it into the Red Hood with Jason Todd. So I don't know. I'm thinking there's going to be like a mismatch of those stories, maybe because you know Hush had almost every Batman <laughs> villain from his Rogues Gallery in there. To varying degrees of success, I'll say, as far as being used right. But if they are going to use multiple villains, I can see them using the Hush storyline for that. So that's something that just got me speculating on where that could be a route they'll be going was doing Hush. It's a fan favorite storyline. That's a lot of villains that I'm sure will get fans pumped up for it. So it <laughs> just goes on to just a matter of question if they are want to go that Jason Todd route or some difference. But I think it is going to be somewhat similar to Hush. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that Jason Todd story because, like you said, it's so close to the Captain America story. And, and the last thing they need to be compared to Marvel again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and it's, 
it's not only that, it's it's also the fact that the the reason why people are saying this is because there's a there's a Robin costume in the Batcave and Batman v Superman and people are connecting things that they, that may not be true. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. <laughs> so I know it's gonna be interesting, but like I said, even if there are a lot of villains, there are ways to make it work in a movie to where it doesn't become boggled down and even though it's heroes, <laughs> we'll talk about it more with Alex Nemo, but Civil War, I thought, did a great job with that. So it can be done. So with Jeff <laughs> Johns and Ben Affleck at the helm of this, they have all my confidence until you know I actually see the movie. And if I am disappointed, then I'll air my grievances that way. But until then, I'm going to be excited for it. Right. So speaking of Alex, uh, it's time for a conversation with Alex because the, there's no podcast that we can do that um, would be the same if we didn't have an email from Alex, right? right Podcast would be canceled if there was no yeah. email from Alex. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Our, our namesake. Our namesake. This exactly. Year. Yeah. Um, but Alex says, hey guys, happy Star Wars week. Thanks again for another spectacular episode. I was really happy to hear you back on podcasting. Well, thank you, Alex. I'm glad I was missed. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had awesome guest hosts to fill in, as always. Superheroes don't give me hope. People like you do. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> well, too kind, Alex. Too kind. <laughs> but thank you. I've been losing interest in comics lately. And I was starting to, to think Batman might have been more of a nostalgia thing for me. I just started to, I, I decided to start watching some of the less famous episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And upon rewatching The Cat in the Claw... An episode I haven't seen in 20 years. It reminded me why I loved Batman. Jeez, Batman I, I, the animated series to do that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like out of all the episodes, it's cat, the cat and the claw. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does bring out some good points in his email as to why. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me why I love Batman. I enjoy various depictions, but the character has become so one note to me and watered down with so many interpretations. I'm so glad Tim keeps talking up the series because Batman the Animated Series Batman is awesome. Yep. You'll never <laughs> hear me stop <laughs> talking up this series as long as we're doing this podcast. It's true because I've been podcasting with Tim for what? Five years now? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> if, if there's one constant, it's Batman the Animated Series when uh, Tim talks about it. Uh, I brought this up before, but I still believe... Batman the Animated Series Batman is truly an altruistic character. I wouldn't be a fan of the character otherwise. I don't believe Bruce Wayne is Batman simply because of his promise. And even if Andrea married him, he, oh, sorry, I got lost. <laughs> he, he wouldn't have been able to give up vigilantism. Is that how you pronounce it, Tim? Vigilantism, vigilantism. I don't know. Okay. always good to me. <laughs> he probably would have been much lighter of a character, but he, will, he wouldn't have switched immediately to Batman after she left him, if that was the case. That's what the Perchance the Dream episode revealed to me, and it's why it is my favorite episode. His conversation with Leslie really reflects on how Bruce feels about himself. Bruce wants to be a hero above all. But he's a very introvert, introverted person, so he's always oscillating between what he thinks he wants in life. He uses his promise as a crutch sometimes, but that's not his baseline motivation. He loves his parents and wants to honor them, but he's not tied down to it by an obligation. He knows his parents wouldn't want that, but he tries to tell himself 
when he becomes too uh, complacent. Bruce spent way too much time studying psychology, philosophy, and martial arts to feel that way, in my opinion. I think that's just an introspective state he go he goes into because he's very introverted, just like his I am vengeance speech. Despite being about about uh, vengeance as a baseline, sometimes he becomes vengeful, but but that's just because he's human. Dang, Alex, this is a long email. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good but, one, though. <laughs> but, but that's just because he's human. That's why I love the I Am The Night episode, because it shows that he falls into deep anger and sadness, just like everyone. Sometimes I, th- I think he even plays mental games with himself to pump him up. I do the same thing, opening up old wounds or focusing on my pain for moral motivation. I do the same thing, opening... Oh, sorry. I think that's what inspires his nightfall philosophy of all men have limits. I learn what they are and learn not to exceed them. I ignore mine. I also think he gets so sad sometimes thinking about his parents that he goes through stages of feeling empty. And that's why he's able to face such horrors like the Joker because he's ready to die and sometimes he even wants to die. You guys are more familiar with the series than me, so feel free to tell me how wrong I am. Tim, <laughs> but that's how I interpreted Batman. I haven't even seen the I Am Vengeance Scarecrow episode in 20 years, along with a lot of episodes, so I may have a completely false image in my head. Like I've said before, I don't know anyone who is into this stuff, so I've never bounced this off anyone. Well, Alex, it's, or or before Tim goes into the, the philosophical meaning of Batman <laughs> the Animated Series, I will just say... Batman is whoever you want him to be. He he can be what you said, or he can be, you know, or I can convince you what, you know, what he is. So it's it's whatever you make it, man. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But uh, Alex, you brought some great points in this email about the Batman the Animated Series version of Bruce, and you know, I always bring, go back to like he said the promise he made to his parents, and throughout the series, that is such a big theme throughout the reason why he does what he does as Batman and that's what I love about it because I always felt that is the most important thing to him as being Batman but Alex brings up some great points as far as maybe that is not the only reason to it and when he brings up the perchance the dream episode that is a good example of that because he was happy in that fake life the Mad Hatter created for him his parents were alive he was engaged to Selena Kyle but yet he knew there was something missing and that moment where he was in awe of Batman as he saw him take down those criminals uh, he just sensed that like he was in awe and know that there was something wrong where it should be him in a type of way so and like I said that conversation he had with Leslie this brings that all home to to those points Alex was making so I think I'm not gonna it's kind of a mixture between the two I think the promise that he made to his parents is a big motivating factor because yeah if like you said with Andrea did marry him, he wouldn't have fully given up being Batman. He says to her, I'm changing the plan as he puts the ring on her, but that promise that he made and the effect his parents' death had on him would probably creep up probably throughout their time together if they did get married, and he probably would feel that he has to honor that promise later down the line. So, yeah, I agree with him on that, where it probably he never really could have been happy if he did you know, decide to put it that part of his life away it's always going to be there for him so yeah just again all these different 
views and just like psychology that you could dig into for Bruce Wayne and as Batman. Just talk about the animated series Batman. This could be so fascinating. So I just love hearing this Alex Fimo talking about this. And like you said, it, it sucks he does that everyone to bounce this stuff off to. So it's, I'm glad we're yeah. here for you, Alex, to give hear your take, give our take. Cause it's just great to talk about, especially, again, <laughs> this version of Batman because it's so <laughs> complex and there's so much stuff you can dive into. Just, like, you just see this character of Batman grows so much from the beginning to the series to the new Batman adventures and then later on Justice League, Batman Beyond. It's just so awesome that we have this great complex character who grew over the course of, geez, uh, how many years would it be? Let's see, 92 and Justice League ended in uh, 2006. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a good uh, over 15 years with that. So I was going to – I wanted to say – would. Oh, 20. I know Kevin Conroy's been voicing Batman for over 20 years, but it's not not all in the animated series universe. So he almost made it, but not quite. But the fact that we got that many years of this one version of Batman is just so great, and we can have conversations like this is just so awesome. And the episode you mentioned, like I Am the Night, where you know he kind of has that moment where is uh, what am I is what I'm doing worth it? Is and then when Jim Gordon gets shot, like. Be, me being Batman caused him to die. Was that worth it? Well, everything I'm doing seems to be for nothing. I mean, what Alex says, we're human and we have those moments. And sometimes it's just because of vengeance and other reasons. But the fact that we see Batman go through these different emotions and periods in his life where he reflects on why he is Batman, it is so great. So it's cool that you're going back and watching the lesser known episodes. But I just say we watch the whole series again like I'm doing right now. <laughs> I've fallen behind the last few weeks, but i got to start getting back into it because it's been a blast so just rewatch the whole series again alex you won't regret it all right well alex goes on to say i'm not nearly as familiar with uh comics as you guys so i was shocked to learn that batman the animated series had so many original villains for my favorites i'd go with one the phantasm two kyoda ken three baby doll Tim perfectly described why I like those first two, but, but with Baby Doll, I just found her story to be heartbreaking. Seeing her break down and hug Batman was such an incredible moment, and one of my favorite moments that show what a compassionate character Batman is towards criminals. Yep, I would agree. Even though she didn't make my top five list, that was a great <laughs> moment. I mean, you can't argue that, I don't think. What's so great is the episode is so silly for most of the, most of it. You think it's such a joke villain, but then you just really get to the heart of what Baby Doll, why she's so messed up. And like Alex said, you do feel for her at the end when Batman, you know, just gives her a little hug as she's crying. Yeah, and of of course, Alex always has questions for us. Most of them are hard to answer. Uh, but his first question is: uh, disregarding the Batman universe, do you prefer DC over Marvel? Um, I would say yes. I do prefer DC. That is my go-to. But I don't want to sound like you know, DC fanboy only and everything Marvel sucks all that. I like a both. Anything with superheroes, I mean, they both have awesome characters. But if you put a gun to my head and I can only pick one, it would be DC just because of the classic characters they have. Of course, Batman, and then you throw in yeah. Superman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Flash, and the great villains they have too. Or I just think that it sets them above over Marvel, but. They got to pick up the pace on the movie front. That's for darn sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would agree, DC over Marvel, because uh, DC not only has Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lantern, Justice League, the entire Justice League, their entire um, 
you know, superhero comic book world, but they also have um, Vertigo and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I definitely take DC over Marvel. Uh, his second question is, what is your uh, per- preference or what do you prefer between uh, – Damn, Tim, how, how do I <laughs> – because I, I know it's a spelling – I mean, it's a, it's a wording issue here. You need to say, do you prefer Batman and Alfred to be with or without relatives? Okay, do, do you prefer <laughs> Batman and Alfred to be with or without relatives? Personally, I prefer them to be without relatives, so all they have is each other. I think it gives more reason for the emotions, emotions to fester inside Bruce to become the Batman. And it gives more weight to those scenes where he talks about it, talks to his parents, or lays down a flower and cry in alley. Yeah, I'd agree with Alex. I mean, if you're just talking about you know blood relatives, definitely without. I mean, you got Alfred's daughter Julia in there with the Gordon as Batman, and it worked okay. But I agree, it works better when it's just them. And then the whole Bruce and Lincoln March thing that we still don't know if he really is Bruce's brother, and. I, we don't hear from him again. That's fine. <laughs> I really don't want to know the answer to that now because it works better. Like uh, Alex said in this email, but you know when you got the extended Bat family, you know with Dick, Tim, all the Robins, Barbara, and the different members of the Bat family who you know aren't blood relatives but can be considered family. Those ones, I you know, they got to be in there. <laughs> they what makes like, just adds another great aspect to Batman. So blood relatives, no extended Bat family, yes. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with that, too. Uh, j- like you said, Alex, just so that they only have each other. And it, it gives more meaning to, you know, everything that you were talking about in uh, about the Batman universe. I mean, uh, Batman the Animated Series. It, it just gives a whole lot more meaning to that. Uh, his third question is, what is your favorite supervillain scheme in the Animated Series? <laughs> <laughs> this one... The one that really stuck out to me that I, I always liked is one of Scarecrow's. And it's one that I didn't expect when I first saw it. It was the one from the new Batman Adventures, uh, Never Fear. And the idea of Scarecrow taking away people's fear was something at the time I never really considered to be a really good plan. Because, you know, Scarecrow's all about fear and making people see their greatest fears. So when I saw that episode and see his plan was to take away people's fear and what it can do to a city... Yeah, it makes perfect sense, and it probably would have had more success than you know if his toxin, normal fear toxin, got onto Gotham City. I think having to take away the fear and people just running rampant, do whatever they want, would cause more chaos. And to have it where Batman got affected, he wasn't afraid to kill anybody. That's you know to have Batman do that is a big thing. So I always like that scheme that Scarecrow had something to do the opposite of what he's known for, and it actually would have worked really well if he succeeded. So. I do like that one, and technically this isn't Batman the Animated Series, but it's part of the DC Animated Universe, so I'm going to give a nod to Joker's plan in Return of the Joker. The final way to get Batman, you know, without killing him, but, you know, to really hurt him as much as he could without killing him was taking a Robin and turning it against him, making him as himself, as crazy as himself being the Joker. And to do that with Tim Drake and, you know, to see Batman or having Batman see Tim Drake be tortured by the Joker just had to be awful. And then when Joker brings him out <laughs> dressed like him, full in the white makeup and the purple suit, and you know, just that was bad enough to do that to, or to make Tim Drake crazy was, you know, 
it's a painful thing for Batman and Barbara, who was there with him, to go through. And, of course, that led to the death of the Joker, and he thought that was it. But, no, there was more to his plan to have, you know, his consciousness placed into that microchip and, you know, to fester itself over the years to when Tim Drake comes up, the Joker could fully come back because he's a part of him now, which is a great Joker scheme. And I thought it was such a clever way to bring the Joker back into the future of being young, you know, without the normal tropes you would like, oh, he's just a clone or he was frozen or <laughs> type of thing. But to do it that way, I thought it worked really well. So I'll give that as the best Joker scheme throughout the animated series universe. Well, you took my first one, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Which one, the Joker or the Scarecrow? Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, the the Scarecrow. <laughs> Scarecrow one. You, I'm surprised because you, you don't you talk about mine. Scarecrow too much. Yeah, because it, I don't know. It, I I don't really like his design in uh, the original animated series. Uh, I just don't like that design. But um, yeah, you, you took mine too. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm two for two in stealing your choices today. Yeah, maybe I I have to go first. Yeah, we'll time. do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> At least right. on the on the animated series front, you'll go first because I could pick stuff probably out of the top of my head when it comes to the animated series. Yeah. So. <laughs> But uh, did you want to read uh, Alex's second part? Yeah. So he sent us a follow-up email. He goes, I don't know if you guys recorded yet. No, we haven't. (laughs) But I had to wish you guys a happy Plastic Man 75th anniversary. Uh, Yeah, thank you, Alex. uh, Dane is so happy right now that you remember (laughs) Alex. (laughs) But he goes on to say, I also saw Civil War, and I'm curious what your thoughts are if you've seen it. I liked it a lot, but I can't stop thinking about how awesome Spider-Man was in the movie. I know Tim is a big uh, Spider-Man fan, so I was wondering what he thought. If you guys have already recorded, I'll just wait to ask on the next episode. I'm just on a huge Spider-Man high right now, and I want to know what someone else thought. Batman is my favorite fictional character, and I'm more of a drama guy, so I'm biased toward the Nolan Batman movies. But Civil War is my favorite superhero movie after those. I haven't seen any MCU movie. Well, I haven't seen every MCU movie, so that could change since I think I was missing some important story points. I definitely have to check out Ant-Man, at least because he was so awesome. Now, not as awesome as Spider-Man, but no one could be as awesome as Spider-Man. Unless Batman comes into the MCU. Hopefully Batman is just as awesome in Suicide Squad. Alright, I'm looking forward to the next episode. Well, Alex, yeah, I did see Civil War, and I couldn't agree with you more. I love the movie just on its own. I mean, I was excited going into it for Spider-Man because... Ever since the MCU got kicked off and we saw how awesome the Avengers were and how it worked, my one complaint was, oh, they can't have Spider-Man. How awesome would Spider-Man be with the Avengers and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And now that wish came true with Civil War, and boy, did he deliver. You're so right on about Spider-Man. It's easy to say that he stole the show, but I will say, a testament to the movie, I was fully invested in you know just the basic plot that was going on with Captain America, where... I, I wasn't thinking about Spider-Man showing up where, like, come on, get to Spider-Man, or I can't wait for Spider-Man. I was fully invested into the story. And then when he did show up, uh, it just took it to the movie to another level. Spider-Man was perfect. Tom Holland, so far, I mean, he's not in it a whole lot, so we can't judge him as much as, you know, like, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. But I'm almost ready to say he's the best Spider-Man, live-action Spider-Man we have yet. He was great as Peter Parker. He was even better as Spider-Man. And that's something we haven't had before, because I always thought... With Tobey Maguire, he was a good Peter Parker, but not a great Spider-Man. And then with Andrew Garfield, I thought he was a great Spider-Man, but not a great Peter Parker. So it was like one or the other with those actors. But 
Tom Holland, he's nailing both aspects, and I just can't wait for his solo film. And yeah, that. I mean, Dane, you and me were talking about it before we recorded how uh, how awesome it was and how you're going to go see it now, which is awesome. But that, I don't want to build it up too much, but that battle sequence, as Alex was alluding to, you know, with Spider-Man and Ant-Man, yeah, it was just so, so good. So, Alex, I'm glad you liked it. I loved it too. And I'm not, you said you didn't see every MCU movie, but um, once you said you might have to go back, I would definitely recommend seeing Ant-Man because that movie is really funny, and Paul Rudd does a great job as the character. So definitely check that one out. I'm not sure if you've seen uh, the other Captain America movies leading up to this. You probably have, but if not, you definitely got to see those. And the two Avengers movies, I think, are the essential ones leading into Civil War. So those would be the ones to check out. But really glad you liked it as much as I did, and I really can't wait to see it again. So <laughs> as fellow Spider-Man fans, I don't think we could be any happier right now. So, Dane, just another reason for you to go see it. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> you got um, me and Alex's seal of approval. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I will. I will see it. <laughs> um, well, thank you, Alex. Um, just remember, it's not, a, it's not an Alex podcast, so we don't get an email from Alex, right? <laughs> of course. But before we move off the listener feedback section, I wanted oh, okay. to bring up a response we got from Twitter from Jordan Valdez. Um, from our last episode when Alex sent the email about sympathetic villains, he wanted to chime in and says that Francis Gray from the Batman episode uh, seconds, he says, was an honorable mention. And I know I've said before, I haven't been the biggest fan of the Batman series and I haven't really seen very many episodes. But uh, when Jordan sent this, I wanted to go check it out to see this villain and uh, if he was sympathetic, like he said. So I did end up watching that episode seconds. And again, I haven't seen a lot of episodes, but this was probably the one episode I actually enjoyed of the Batman. It was really good. And this character that uh, Jordan mentioned here of uh, uh, Francis Gray, he's kind of like the Batman's version of the Clock King. Or he, he has powers to go back in time 20 seconds. So if something, if he's committing a robbery, something goes wrong, he'd go back 20 seconds and, you know, able to see what's coming and prevent it. And it made for some cool action sequences between him and Batman. But he did have a good background story where he was someone who was struggling to provide for his family, his wife and son. And he was going to go steal this antique watch. And when that happens, he gets caught. But in the midst of it, it causes a lot of like a series of events causes a lot of destruction on the on the street, which puts him in jail for a long time. So his wife leaves him. He never gets to see his son grow up, and that's kind of what drives him to you know become a criminal. But but it, then he gains his powers. That was like the one weak aspect of it. They don't really say how he gained his powers in prison to turn back time, but it w- did work for the course of the episode. And what you know comes to his senses is his son or Batman bringing his son you know to try to knock him out of it because he's going to use his poison gas to wipe out uh, Gotham City for revenge because his family was taken away from him. So, one of, you know, those basic things where no one could be happy if I'm not happy. But what made a great ending was that Batman sends Batgirl to track down his son and bring him to it. But he, when his son does come, it's too late. The gas already gets exposed and his son gets exposed to the gas and, it, and he dies. He tries to save him by giving him a gas mask, but it's too late, and he just feels this amount of guilt. And so he, he's he been trying to go back further in time throughout the episode instead of this 20 seconds. And But when he sees his son dies, that's what sets it off, and he's able to go back in time to before he stole that antique watch and everything goes bad. And 
it, he makes the right choice in that end because he knows he's going to lose his son if he doesn't. So he ends up getting a happy ending, but it was a compelling story for this kind of a villain you wouldn't expect to be. So I was definitely glad Jordan recommended that because it was, like I said, probably the best the Batman episode I've seen. And I still want to go back and give that series another shot because I know it has its fans. And if there's more episodes like this one, Seconds, uh, it could be a series like, you know, worth checking out. So I definitely got to do that. But want to give thanks to Jordan for recommending it because I did enjoy it. And I think he would be a villain who would be a could you could put on the list of someone who was sympathetic so i really enjoyed it so thanks a lot jordan all right and that wraps up our listener feedback slash uh conversation with alex uh so now we can get into our comic book reviews and our rating scale for this episode is going to be um times that tim just randomly brought up Batman the Animated Series for no reason. <laughs> uh, appropriate and so true. <laughs> it's definitely going to be more than five, that's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, for this episode, we're going to be reviewing Batman number 51 and The Dark Knight 3, The Master Race number 4. So I'll go ahead and start with The Dark Knight 3, issue number 4. And this one is more you know, about the master race being the kryptonians from kandor just showing their dominance over the world and as the last issue we saw you know they got superman's daughter laura on their side and she was about to fight superman and that's where the issue kicks off when just her and superman have this you know bloody battle but superman doesn't want to fight her because you know that's his daughter and he doesn't want to hurt her but at the same time she's not holding back and it's a pretty brutal fight and they go all the way to the fortress of solitude and this panel where you see this trail of blood all over the snow. That's, you know, from Superman. And then there's this image of this, these Kandorians is flying over Superman. It's like this legion of an army. And they're being led by uh, Lara in this fight anyway because the, the, their leader is the one that wants her to take down Superman. And Bruce and Carrie Kelly are watching everything unfold on the screen. And you're like, oh, there's nothing we can do. Like, and like we, all we're gonna do is just sit and watch, and pretty much like Batman's like, yeah, Batman, he's not gonna fight back. There's nothing we can do, so like just pull up a chair and see how it all goes down. And this, that's how it ends. Where the Kryptonians use this dark matter that engulfs Superman, and says he's not gonna fight back, and he's like just covered in it, and he can't move. And then all of them just, along with Lord, just leave out this big old laser blast from their eyes. I mean. Just, shooting right directly at superman it doesn't you know like blow him up or anything but it causes him to like melt within the ice you see him go down under there it looks like he's dead but they kind of left it in the way he could probably show up again but (laughs) it looked like they were meant to kill him because that was a big laser blast so after they get rid of superman the leader of the kandorian says they're going for gotham city next and they want batman so it's like this, if Gotham City doesn't give it this Batman, this, the city's going to suffer. We're going to start killing people in there. So, given an ultimatum for Batman, of course, and the citizens of Gotham are rioting. They're at the police station saying, you know, bring us Batman, and the commissioner has just kind of had enough with it. She's, like, beginning to realize, like, how, you know, worthless the Gotham City, the police department was. So, we've been worthless for years, but now it just took the last 12 hours for Gotham to see that now that these kryptonians plan on wiping out they don't get batman so of course batman has a plan we don't know exactly what is just yet but him and carrie kelly are getting things ready we see uh, batman giving a mission to carrie saying you know gives her a box telling us uh to go out 
and she's like, what is this? He says, it's just hope. And then he goes, and there's this. And it's like, it's a hanger with, you know, it looks like there's going to be a costume behind it, but they don't reveal just what it is yet. And he, Bruce is tell her it's a graduation present. And he has a smile on his face. And there's this one point in the issue, which, you know, we'll see where it plays out later, where we see, like, the Flash running around Gotham City. Uh, we see this, like, bulk, bolt of lightning just running around. And but he gets like knocked out by someone who I assume is one of those Kryptonians. It like breaks his leg, and you just see it twist, and you see Flash. And a cool black costume, I have to say. I don't. It was like uh, an exercise suit with like shorts on there. I don't know about the shorts, but I like the coloring of the black <laughs> with the Flash and the red uh, symbol with the lightning bolt on there. I thought it looked the coloring on it looked pretty cool. So we see get Flash knocked out. There was a monologue going on how there are some heroes that who want to help, like. There's like there's only a few of them left, so it looks like the Kryptonians are taking them out. So we see Flash get taken out, but he's we see him lying by a sewer, and there's one of the sons of Batman there who opens us up and sees him. So it looks like he's gonna rescue Flash and help him out, you know, to kind of hopefully get him around to be one of their allies for the final fight. Then the issue ends with uh, Commissioner looking out on the citizens of Gotham, and you know just kind of had enough of it. She's been drinking, and she's just saying how you know just kind of almost in a way regretting certain things but then batman comes from behind takes the flask out of her hand and so he's like so like stop drowning everything out like it's time to do something about this so it looks like he's finally going to show himself to the kryptonians and we'll see how he plans to fight them but we do get an inclination on how because in every issue there's this little smaller uh, comic that's in there that tells like another side story with other heroes and this one has to deal with Batgirl, and we learned that the costume that Bruce gave Carrie Kelly was this Batgirl costume, and when he said uh, graduation, he meant that, you know, she graduated from Robin to Batgirl, so we, it was a cool sequence of her taking out these enemies, trying to make it to her destination, because, you know, they want to try to bring in any members of the Bat family before they can get the citizens of Gotham are killed, so she has to take them down, and then we find out what she had in that box is like a... Uh, it almost looks like a pill, but it's a thing that summons Aquaman because she had to go to the pure. And she gets that uh, item into the ocean and Aquaman just comes out on this big sea creature. And, you know, he just tells Batgirl, get on. So it looks like that Bruce, you know, knew what he was doing in sending Carrie Kelly to find Aquaman. So we got Aquaman. It looks like we're going to have the Flash to help take on, to help Batman and maybe the sons of Batman. We still got Wonder Woman out there. So looks like he's getting his uh, forces ready to take on the Kryptonians. And I'm sure Superman will be back before this whole story is over. So it was an enjoyable issue. I'm still enjoying this story. But nothing, you know, super awesome stood out like I think issue three did. Batman had some awesome, awesome moments in that one. So I'm going to give this one three and a half out of five times I bring up Batman the Animated Series for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> and next is... You know, bringing it all home with this episode, we started out with a tribute to Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's run, and now we get to talk about the final issue of their run with Batman 51. And I knew going in, Scott Snyder was saying it's like a love letter to Batman and Gotham City, but didn't know exactly what that meant and what to expect from the story. So I was going into this issue pretty fresh, and I have to say... It was not what I was expecting to end his run on, but I thought it was fitting in a great way. It was almost like a palate cleanser for all the big events that Scott Snyder has done, what we talked about at the beginning of the show. So it was just a great, nice, simple story of Batman and Gotham. And it tied in together, I think, pretty nicely with some of the other stuff he's done over the course of his run. So 
it begins with in the Batcave, Batman and Alfred talking. And I like how uh, Batman has was able to repair Alfred's hand. He was saying it was because of uh, Crazy Quilt and his uh, healing technology was able to get Alfred's hand back. And Alfred, I like this bit of dialogue between Bruce and Alfred because he was saying, or Alfred was saying to Bruce how nice it was for him to save the hand. And Bruce is all, I didn't save it. Like, <laughs> it was just, you know, a, a hand I was able to get and to, you know, have it reattached to you. But Alfred didn't really believe him. He's all, at the end, you know, he's lying. I know you saved it. So I thought that was a great mo- moment between Bruce and Alfred. And then Bruce is going out on patrol like he always does in the Batmobile. But then an earthquake happens and just the power goes out all over Gotham City. It's a city-wide blackout. So, and they're saying it's something that it's something that's so big that it's probably not natural. And result, it's never natural here in Gotham City. So he has to find the source of what happened. He knows someone's behind it. So he had a great moment with Alfred, and then I also thought he had a great moment with Gordon. Um, you know, talking about you know both as their time. Gordon mentioned stuff about his time as Batman, and Bruce is you know telling about. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> had a little yawn there. Sorry, but you know they were talking about the, the situation that happened in uh, Arkham with the power outage, and you know Bruce heard it. He goes, and I like what Gordon says here. Where I'm not even going to turn around because you're already gone, but be careful. So just a you know a nice thing with Gordon and Batman showing how Gordon knows Batman like no almost like nobody else, maybe besides Alfred and you know Dick Grayson, but. Besides those two, he's the other person Bruce has had the biggest, longest relationship with. So those little things, where I just it just shows you know how well they know each other. And when Bruce gets to Bat or Batman goes to Arkham, there's a nice little throwback to the very first issue of Batman number one, where you know Batman was going up against the Arkham inmates on that that first story arc, and it was a great action sequence. But this one doesn't get that far because. Arkham is actually well equipped for, <laughs> for a change to contain these inmates when the power goes out because um, we see Dr. Arkham there as Batman's about to take him on, they're about to jump him, this energy shield goes against uh, their cell, the room that they're in, is able to block him from doing any damage and for them to getting out so Batman wasn't needed there so now he's free to go take out the source, um, or to try to find the source, and uh, Dr. Arkham says that Whatever caused the event, it's someone that is attacking the city from underground. So we get this other sequence with the Court of Owls on this boat making their way to this item or this uh, like old you know, projector film screen where we get, uh, I guess, higher members of the Court of Owls saying that you're not welcome. But they're saying, but we thought tonight was tonight. It was the start of the mantling. So obviously the Court of Owls have some plan <laughs> in motion, but it, tonight wasn't the time to do that. And that catches them by surprise. And they're wondering, okay, but the time is now. How come we're not doing this? And once Bruce realizes that this isn't the Court of Owls plan, he reveals himself as, I think, another homage to the Dark Knight Returns where Bruce was disguised as that old lady in the shopping market. And he takes out those uh, uh, mutants in, in, who were robbing the store. And this time he's disguised as a older uh, uh, lady as a Court of Owls member, and he just takes them out, the other Court of Owls guys that were on that boat, and, you know, just realizes this isn't where the trail leads. The Court of Owls don't have anything to do with it. So I thought it was a cool nod to Bruce disguising as an older lady <laughs> to the Dark Knight Returns. It was pretty neat. So he goes on to Penguin's territory, where he's with Black Mass, and I think the White Shark is the character's name, but <laughs> he overhears them say, they have a plan too, but tonight's not the night. So that it's not any of his villains, and then we get a nice small sequence of still of the Joker on that bench, still normal, 
And going back to Death of the Family, we were talking about with those bugs and those flies. Uh, he swats one on his neck, and he goes, not yet, not this night. So <laughs> the, I thought that was nice just to have a little something of the Joker there, knowing that he's still you know, not fully back as the Joker, even though ba- Bruce is back as Batman. But yet there's a part of him that is almost ready to come back because he said it's not this night. So that was cool. And so Batman's still trying to figure out what the source of this earthquake and this power outage is. And then Alfred tells him, whatever it is, it should be directly below where you're at now. So he goes into this room where he sees this fire, and there's this guy there. And Batman's like, what are you doing? And he goes, "Um, actually, uh, I'm a writer for the Gotham Gazette, and I wanted to finish my story here while the power was out. And this was a nice moment because this harkens back to the Court of Owls story in issue number two, I believe, where the guy goes, actually, you changed my life. I used to be part of this gang where uh, when you were looking for the Court of Owls five years ago and like you almost you like tied our faces to the train and <laughs> that we thought you were going to kill us. That's, of course, that awesome action moment where Bruce took down <laughs> those guys in the train on uh, – it was not in the battle. It was on his motorcycle, I believe. But it was an awesome moment seeing Batman use that train to take out these guys. So I'm glad that Snyder called back to here with this character who was someone who was from that gang but – that encounter with Batman changed his life and caused him to go straight and get a real job and all that. That made me think of the episode of Batman the Animated Series, again, bringing it up for no reason, (laughs) Uh, the episode Old Wounds, where uh, in that episode, Batman went up against this guy who was working for the Joker, and he had an encounter encounter with him, you know, telling him about where the, wanted to find out where the Joker was, and that opened this this lower level criminal just doing it for money to help his family and woke him up and realized, you know, I got to get my life together. I got to get a real job, take care of my family. And it was kind of the same with this character in this issue. So I don't know if Scott Snyder intentionally did that because of that Batman, the animated series episode, but I like to think that he did. Cause I know he's a big fan. So, and throughout the course of the story, there's this monologue about saying Gotham is, and it's all these different things as Bruce is going uh, through the searching the city for find out what's, causing this blackout and you see Gotham is these different descriptions and it turns out it was actually this writer as he was doing that monologue monologue because he writes this piece in the Gotham Gazette called Gotham is and at this last point where we see Bruce over there's different small panels that were laid out pretty perfectly in these two pages spread where Batman's going over the city and seeing these people help each other and you know not seeing Gotham City for what it how he usually sees it you know just infested with crime and that's what the person who was writing the story was hoping Batman would see. He even says that. I hope you read this, Batman, because I'm trying to show you how much Gotham has changed. And usually, because the whole point of this Gotham is, is you get responses from readers and they show and they tell you what they think Gotham is. And more recently, they've been getting more responses of optimism and positive stuff. And he's saying it's because of Batman, and he hopes he sees that at this moment. Because we get to see panels of someone looks like he's going to mug this woman and her uh, kid but he actually returns the purse to her and you see this family having just a peaceful dinner out in candlelight with the power out you see families on a rooftop children just uh, playing and batman's looking out over all of them and it's going perfectly with the monologue of how gotham city is changing because of batman and he says that it hopes this makes batman see is he can just have a quiet night off because gotham city um is something you know is that can be just simple in just a normal way of life without being infested with crime and a big part of that is because of batman and so with that we get to reveal where alfred comes in and saying sir it looks like it's just a natural occurrence and the power should come on at any time 
And then the last page is the sun's coming up. Batman says it's understood, but I'm still going to watch just in case. So, yeah, it's a simple story. There is nothing really that's going on. But again, going into what Scott Snyder has done with bringing Gotham City as a big character on for a lot of his arc, especially Court of Owls, to have a, have an issue that focuses on Gotham as you know just a city that can be peaceful for a change and have nothing going wrong with it for one night where where something looks like it's going wrong but it's not and all Gotham City didn't fall apart with villains taking advantage of it and you know Bat- where Batman's going to be needed more than he has to but yet it shows that he has been doing some good and that people can live some peaceful lives in the city that he's helped to protect so I didn't expect his final issue to end like that, you know, not to have one big thread, but it was a nice love letter to Batman and Gotham City and to have some cool nods to other storylines that he's uh, worked on and some that he hasn't worked on I thought was pretty cool. So I'm going to give this one four and a half out of five uh, times I bring up the Batman the Animated Series for no reason, like I did talking about this issue. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought it was a nice way to close out his run not something i expected but in the end it was fitting i thought that's good yeah so a nice bow to wrap around his run and our episode too it's all coming full (laughs) circle (laughs) uh well i guess that's it right yeah unless there's something else you want to say no again i'm just gonna go and say and give one final big thank you to Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo for these awesome Batman stories that we've talked about for five years. And this where to think it's been that long, even in the story, when that uh, writer for the Gotham Gazette says, you helped, or you like stopped our gang five years ago. And I went, really? Five years? And yeah, it's been that long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, they're going in real time in these Batman stories, <laughs> at least for this issue anyway. So yes, it just so. took me back that it's been that long. and. That's a pretty lengthy run, and to have it be as successful successful as it was, it's you know a testament to the talent that Scott Snyder and Greg Capillo did on this book. So, yep, one big final thank you for those two awesome comic book writer and artists for giving us these great Batman stories that are going to stand the test of time. Definitely. Um, so with that, go to the BatmanUniverse.net, um, and also uh, donate, if you can, to the TBU server drive thing. And just go over to the website, BatmanUniverse.net. The BatmanUniverse.net, not BatmanUniverse.net. Right, Tim? Yeah, <laughs> we got to make sure that's there. The BatmanUniverse.net, and then just uh, donate if you can. It's it's on the right-hand side of the page. Um, you can also find the, the Batman Universe on Facebook at facebook.com slash Batman Universe or on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at Batman Universe. And you can follow us on Twitter. The show's Twitter handle is at Batfans Podcast. Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. Uh, back to the one ones. <laughs> yeah, because he likes um, March 11th for some reason. <laughs> it's the greatest day of the year. <laughs> no, it's at TimG311. There you go. Thank you, Dane. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and my Twitter handle is at Dane Says Banana. And you can email the show at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So, with that, like we say at the end of every show, we love you, we love you, we love you. Just remember if there's one person in, I mean, if there's, if you feel alone in this world, just remember there's two people that do, in fact, love you, right, Tim? Yep, and it's you and me, Dave. Who else is it going to be? <laughs> Who else is going to be? So with that, see you guys next time, and thank you for listening. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Felt like I rambled on. Okay. <laughs>
that, man. It's really so good. <laughs> like, I had to do that.